You're listening to the City World Radio Network. High-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world. www.cityworldradio.com someone's journey 
is helpful to anybody out there. And that what a perfect segue to my guest tonight. I am thrilled and honored to share my guest, Will Cook, tonight, who is the epitome of someone who, in the, in the mid-50s, took a, uh, did a 180, a complete career change, jumped into going back to school, going to something that he's always been very interested in, completely opposite of what he'd been doing before. And I, what I love about Will's story, and there's so many things I love about Will's story, but it's just that we can all do it. He did it. It was scary. It was daunting. But he did it. And that's why I think, you know, those individuals like Will who went out and did it are our inspiration to let us know that we can. So, Will, it's an honor and a pleasure to have you on tonight. Welcome. Well, thank you very much. I'm sitting here listening, uh, thinking that you usually have to be dead before you hear such nice things said about you. So. <laughs> Uh, I, I still have a pulse, but it's racing, having heard all that. So thank you. Thank you very much. Well, it's well-deserved. Really, I mean that sincerely. And that's, that was a big lesson, even though, you know, Morse Mom is a bit of a misnomer um, because it's not just about moms. It's not just about women. It's really sharing everyone's stories that could help someone out there. And I think your story, when we talked about this, I mean, it's just it could help anybody in so many different ways. So before we get into it, tell us a little bit about your journey from, from college on and, and where how you got to where you are today. Okay, well, um, as you know, um, I am uh, a graduate of Georgetown, class of 73. I'm from upstate New York, born in Rochester, but uh, uh, lived most of my life in Ithaca. Um, and uh, I'd never been in a play or anything like that before, but my mother... Um, who was, for those of you who, who knew uh, Georgetown in the old days, my mother uh, uh, was a musician at Trinity College in the late 40s, and, and that's where she met my father, who was Georgetown class of 50. In any case, there was always music in our house, and uh, there was always singing and, and this and that. So I think that's sort of where some sort of an idea started of, of performance. Uh, I got to Georgetown. I was uh, busy. I, I was rowing on the crew. I had a job. I uh, knew that I wanted to go to law school, but really, quite by happenstance, it'll take too long to explain now. But quite, quite literally, uh, fell into um, an audition with no preparation at all uh, for a play that was going to be put on uh, at the university by. At that time, our only dramatic outlet, which was a club called Mask and Bauble, which actually is the oldest running, all-student-run uh, collegiate uh, dramatic society in the country, uh, for what that's worth. In any case, and I mean this when I say they must have been hard up, I, I watched the auditions for a couple of minutes, and, and like most uh, actors or would-be actors, even before they knew they were one, a thought went through my mind. I can do that. Maybe I can do it better, which is, you know, chutzpah in the extreme. But <laughs> I got up, auditioned, and was given the part of an Edward Albee play. So, um, and it was, it was, it was really lots of fun. I, there was a, a kind of verve, uh, you know, energy uh, that took over. Uh, I will say, it took a good deal of ribbing from uh, the guys uh, and the crew. Uh, the heavyweight freshman crew who thought that this was outlandish, uh, you know, activity for, for a guy that had to be up at six in the morning on the river and, and had been, um, you know, rehearsing until uh, two that morning. But, 
it was it was just fun. And uh, long story short, I was in a play a year in college, uh, and just made room for it between rowing, between a job, between trying to keep my grades up and out of Vietnam, um, and good enough to get into law school. And it, it was always just. Uh, magical. I felt that I was. This is a rich and cliche, but I, I, I became a true my true self out there. Never had a, a bit of, um, uh, you know, stage fight. I just went out there and did it. And uh, despite at least one horrible uh, review from our student newspaper, uh, <laughs> kept kept at it. Uh, <laughs> I was in a play called The American Dream, uh, and uh, by Edward Albee and. Uh, I played the young man who was actually known in the program as the American Dream, being sort of symbolic the way uh, Edward Albee does it. And, of course, the reviewer couldn't resist by saying that he liked the play, but, alas, Will Cook as the American Dream was much closer to the Georgetown nightmare. Um, <laughs> undeterred, again, I was... Uh, I think uh, that made you even more... That strengthened your will to go ahead. I've, I've since I, I knew that guy. He was a junior when I was a freshman, and I've run into him, and uh, we've shaken hands, and I've, I've actually told him. He said, "Did I say that?" And I said, "Yes, you." And I said, "But you know, you actually gave me a little kick in the pants, and uh, I was better <laughs> the next three. So, um, fast forward to graduation, uh, had a couple of law school. Uh, uh, acceptances, but got back home to Ithaca and found that my father, uh, the, the, who was the father of the six of us, and I was the oldest of the six of us, who was a Cadillac Oldsmobile dealer in Ithaca, was very ill with colon cancer. He had sort of kept it, uh, quiet, uh, but it was clear to me when I got home that he was very ill. And he died a few months after I graduated, and my mother and five brothers and sisters said, What's going to happen to us? And I said, I'm going to um, learn how to sell cars. I'm not going to law school, and 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 you guys are going to go to college. So I I took over car business with a degree in English and philosophy. Uh, I truly, when I say the what I knew about cars was how to wash them, uh, but somehow with the grace of God uh, and, and really dumb Irish luck uh, weathered the storm of uh, two or three recessions, and I took over in the midst of a gas crisis. The first one. Um, but one of the things that saved me in, in very high stress was wandering over to Cornell and getting into a group called the Cornell Savoyards that did Gilbert and Sullivan shows. And again, that was such, that was so different. It was so much fun and it took my mind off, you know, this do or die that I, uh, was, had been faced with in business. Uh, that I just said, you know, this is, this is a tonic somehow. I've got to somehow, even if it's arm's length, even if it's only one play every three years, which is about the way it was because I was busy um, and married by this time and, and you know, children or two. But I, I would get in a play either at Cornell or at a very fine summer theater, I think it's called the Hangar Theater, and just my batteries were charged beyond belief. And um, it, it just—it was just something that I knew I... I loved, um, not that I was ever going to run away to the circus, because as we all know, you can't make a living. Uh, right. Most artists, and, and, and you know, there are how many now uh, out of work actors are there in the world? Uh, and by this time, I had to, we expanded the business, and I, I now have three children and all the rest. But I, whenever I could, uh, I would sneak away and 
and just uh, you know sort of skyrocket into a, a different place uh, with uh, with place. So that sort of takes you through the first the first part of the story. Now, let me ask you a question with the acting. You said your first show was when you were at Georgetown. Um, prior to that, had you ever even considered acting? I mean, you said there was music in your home, but had acting ever been a consideration? No, not, not a bit. Though, again, uh, in ways that are, are clear to me now but not then, my mother was a dramatic person. Um, she, you know, was a, uh, very, um, and I don't mean she was nutty, though she was, you had to be maybe a little nutty to be the mother of, of six, but, um, but she was, you know, she had a great flair. So, uh, no, and she, she herself had been a opera singer and, and, and all that. So there was that influence, but, but I never saw myself on stage, not a bit. So do you remember what motivated you to go to that very first audition? I was studying in a uh, in Fulton Hall at Georgetown in a, a classroom. It was in the evening it was, uh, because our dorm, Third Old North, was was a zoo, and you couldn't hear yourself think. And uh, I got bored with the uh, with studying and just sort of wandered the halls. And in Fulton Hall was where Mask and Bobble had their stage and their office. And uh, I heard something going on at the at the end of the hall, and rather than go back to to reading about Théard de Chardin, uh, I looked in the room and saw what was going on and said, I'm going to give that a try. That, that was literally it. It's so interesting because, you know, people are born with the, the desire or they've gone to shows all their life, and really it was just kind of walking by and realizing that could be you. Well, that, that's right, and somehow it, it, it was like an electric current, um, you know, and not that I couldn't live without it or, or got to be... One of these drama ramas that you know bend your ear about um, you know concepts and and uh, all that kind of thing. It was it was a lark, is what it was. Just so, as I say, so different. Um, and I, I suppose that there there are a few uh, actors out there that uh, are without ego. So there has to be some ego in there. But you know, most many of the actors and some of the best uh, that I've ever known are are introverts. Um, you say what? You, they 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 get up in front of you know six hundred and fifty people and right. throw their hearts out. Um, yes, in an odd way, uh, that is where they sometimes are most comfortable being someone else. Uh, and while there is a definite emotional connection with the audience, it's not personal one-on-one. -on -one. It's more sort of broadcasting, but it answers the same let's say human need of 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 making a connection with people. But, no, I know, I know so many uh, actors that, you know, you sit next to them at a party and, and you know, you can't get five words out of them. Um, obviously, there's a group that are just the other way. They're, they're, they're the ones on top of the table saying, I got to sing, I got to dance, you know, this kind of thing. But most are very, very thoughtful and only really sort of uh, blossom uh, when, they're, when they're playing someone else. Interesting thing. I, I mean, I wonder if it's like a vulnerability where they're they're almost too vulnerable to themselves, but on stage when they're allowed to act through a script or through someone else, it's much easier. I think you're you're on you're on to something because uh, you know the I haven't had a lot of training, but I guess that that would be more or less the the next chapter was 
um, uh, doing this business for uh, 35 years and being in place when, whenever I could. And, but meanwhile, expanding the business from Cadillac Oldsmobile, but adding you know Chevrolet and Toyota and Volvo and Subaru and Volkswagen and Audi and going from you know a, a small place with about 25 employees to a much bigger uh, place for 140 employees all told. Um, at some point, uh, a little over 10 years ago, um, I was subject to to a lot of pressure from those franchisors, uh, you know, there were eight of them. <laughs> and we were operating out of only two buildings, which uh, you could do in a secondary, uh, maybe ours even a tertiary uh, market, like a small town like Ithaca. But the franchisors started throwing their weight, weight around saying, look, uh, we need more buildings. Uh, you, you can't you have everything sort of squished into these two buildings, and we need more people, and we need our own computer uh, systems, and we need our own separate um, everything, so real estate, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I, uh, we, we had been very successful, and I was very grateful for that, and the business was doing what it was supposed to do, that is, at that point, putting two daughters through college. Um, but even though I had a degree in English, I could still add and subtract, and I knew, I knew what that kind of commitment uh, was going to take, uh, not only in terms of years and stomach lining, but the dollars and cents. And uh, I just didn't want to do it. Uh, a big reason was that my two daughters, lovely liberal arts types, no interest in the car business, and my son right. was still in high school, uh, wanted to be an airline pilot and just too young, and my, my five brothers and sisters who... By the way, all did get through college and lives of their own, no interest. So I just didn't want to go through that risk without being able to pass it on to someone in the family. And uh, we put ourselves up for sale. And uh, uh, this is really where uh, the Blessed Virgin or someone was, was helping me out because we, we sold everything um, and closed on the deal, uh, I think this January 8th of 2008 and if you'll think back not so far long ago um, yeah. you know a few months after that the stock market had had lost 40 percent of its value yeah. um, i'm not sure that had this deal dragged on we would have made a deal or would have had to substantially change the numbers or something so i was really very very fortunate um, by the way the, the gentleman that we sold to uh was a local man, a good guy. He had what I didn't have, uh, three children that, that were dying to get into the business. And uh, he's doing very well, and I'm happy for him. Oh, that's interesting. But, <laughs> um, but uh, at that point, um, uh, Carol, uh, my sainted wife, who, uh, by the way, was, a, was in the second class at Georgetown that admitted women in the college, um, Young young dame from St. Louis. Um, we looked at each other and we said, "You know, what what do you want to do?" Uh, and uh, she said, "Well, uh, we our kids, uh, our daughters in Washington, our sons at uh, Portsmouth Abbey School in Rhode Island. Um, I love Ithaca, but I don't love the eight months of winter. Um, I love our friends, but I don't love the drive of 
four and a half hours to George Washington Bridge. Um, why don't we, why don't we move back to Washington? And so we did. And again, here's where luck came in again, because uh, I didn't just sort of want to move to Washington and hang out. Um, but I had been, it came to my attention that George Washington University had a very fine and unique program uh, uh, called the Academy for Classical Acting. It was actually a, an MFA. Uh, and it was designed for not kids just coming out of school uh, or college, but uh, actors who had been out there a little bit um, and had maybe found some success but found something lacking. Uh, as one of our guys said, you know, he, he found that he found that his career had plateaued, <laughs> and uh, which was a, a very polite way of saying that he wasn't getting much work. Um, but it was a very intense program. They had nationwide auditions. They only took 15, and I was one of the 15, uh, luckily enough, having had just enough sort of hands-on experience uh, with plays I'd done in school and, and in Michigan uh, that they, they thought there was something there. Uh, I was. Well, I don't, I don't mean to interrupt, but I want to go back a little bit because this is sure. where, and really why we started Morph Mom in the first place. So I want to go back just a little bit to where you've decided to sell and you're going yeah. to VC. And at any moment, are you sitting there saying, what is, and excuse the pun, <laughs> my second act? Like, what, what is next for me? Was there ever a struggle in trying to figure that out or? As you were making the decision, were you thinking it's going to have to do with acting? Like, how did you sort of resolve that? That you were then going to apply to the program and, and pursue acting? It, it's a terrific question because I was was frankly terrified uh, that okay, let's move to Washington. It's you know an exciting place, and we we had a great time there when we were kids in college. But but then what? Um, and I, and I was I was really quite quite concerned that uh, and I used to make a, a joke of it um, that my wife did not appreciate when someone would ask us, well, what are you going to be doing down there? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm going to I'll probably get up around eleven and <laughs> pour myself a glass of vodka and light up a cigar <laughs> and watch uh, I Love Lucy reruns. Uh, I'll probably get a little tired by around two and I'll go back to bed for a while and say, you know, that was a, a big joke, but. In the back of my mind, I'm saying, my God, uh, what will I do? Because I, I was just bright enough to know that you don't, you know, you don't sit around uh, in a situation like this because you, you begin to rot away. So that's where, and, and I do emphasize in my case, luck, because that's where there just happened to be this, this program uh, for 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 guys who were interested in in acting, but had that not been there, um, I don't. It's it's hard to speculate what I what I would have done. But but I would have moved to Washington. But it would have been a much less comfortable move because the unknown would have would have been very unsettling. How, uh, how did you even learn about the the GW um, program? Had you started thinking maybe like had you. Have you started thinking about schooling for acting? Well, I knew that um, I that if I wanted to get serious and you know to use it, once yeah. again, I'm sorry about the cliches, but, but move it up to the next level. Yeah. I needed training. Um, you right. know, I had 
sort of a half-decent resume of place that I'd been in, but if you want to get some place where they start really paying you uh, for being in place, you had to come with a little more than your good looks. Um, it, training is very, very important, and I heard about the program because of my association at the Hangar Theater and, and a number of uh, professional actors that would come up from New York in the summer had been knew about it and gra- had been graduates of it, and I, that's where I first heard about it. it was word of mouth. Um, you know, I guess that would be one lesson if you just, if you have yeah. an inkling of what you'd like to do, just you know, keep your ears and eyes open. Uh, you know, be uh, accessible to things like this. So that it, that was that was really it. Were you nervous? And again, again, my cliche or pun, the second act. Um, were, were you nervous about going back to school at this point? Absolutely. Um, and I, after about a week or two, I had good reason to be, uh, <laughs> because of the fifteen that got into this program, um, they were uh, they were all professional actors. Uh, some were equity actors. Uh, you know, three or four of them were. Uh, a couple of them had MFAs from someplace else. But they felt that, that uh, they had been stuck in as like musical theater and they weren't taken seriously for, for uh, more serious, uh, you know, straight plays. So I show up and, you know, uh, they're in their 30s. Um, I think there might have been one person uh, in early 40s. I show up at age 56. Wow. Um, and as I, you know, describe myself as a used car jockey from upstate New York. Um, <laughs> With uh, with not much uh, you know going for me, and as it turned out, um, it, it I got the daylights kicked out of me almost literally. I say that almost literally because one of the big things that you learn in classical training is stage combat, um, and so we we went through quite a, a sort of a physical training regimen, you know, where we were doing. Pilates and yoga and, and uh, you know, things like this, uh, one or the other every day of the week. And then there was, um, the object was to get yourself certified in, in stage combat, which means, I mean, I, I take it out now sort of as a joke, but I'm, I'm, I'm certified in, in dagger and rapier and uh, quarterstaff. Really? And, uh, <laughs> right. That is so fascinating. You know, and... Uh, and broadsword uh, and uh, and uh, hand-to-hand stage combat. Uh, you you had to you learned uh, routines and then you had to do them in front of a panel of judges and you had to do them right. And if you did, uh, where they, it looked good and nobody got hurt, then you got you got certified by this uh, official board. And so I'd, I'd hate to try it now. I haven't done it in ten years, but uh, but that uh, yeah, and that was the kind of thing that would really. Um, you know, give a guy pause. Um, uh, the the okay. other thing... Again, uh, I'm interrupting again, I apologize. No, I'm, I'm running off the mouth, I'm sorry. No, no, are you kidding me? This is fascinating. So, for those interested in going to this type of schooling, and again, it's, it's very difficult. Like you said, only 15 were accepted, but programs such as this, I'm so curious about the grading. So you were saying, you sort of, is it sort of the... The choreography, the um, the the sword usage, the like. How do you even go about getting graded at something like this? Well, 
Obviously, it's it's loose, but um, while it was under the uh, aegis of George Washington University, uh, and they handled the academic part, and we, we did occasionally, every week we had a couple of hours of uh, what you might call sort of a graduate-level English class taking on another another play and breaking it down and, you know, the characters and all that kind of thing. But the, the, that was only 10, 10% of the program. Uh, the rest of it was was acting on your feet, having scenes ready. And you were, uh, as I say, even though it was GW running it, the, the, the people who actually did the teaching were directors and actors from a Shakespeare Theater Company here in D.C., and so uh, Michael Kahn, for example, who is the founder of Shakespeare Theater Company, um, a guy who was uh, not known for his tact, uh, but known but known for his insight and in, in, you know putting together terrific uh, Shakespeare plays, uh, would you know you'd present uh, you know the scenes, and he would uh, kick the daylights out of you and have you do it again and again and again and. Sometimes get up and and wave his arms around and say say you're not listening and um, <laughs> it, it could get very very tense. There were there were lots of tears shed uh, by both genders, uh, right. you know. Uh, but you you did come away, uh, you know, knowing more than when you started. And and he was he was he was right. His his method of, of delivery might be a little harsh, but you you certainly got the best. Anyway. Uh, he and the other uh, directors slash actors from uh, STC would, uh, uh, you know, would get together every, I think, every month and, and give a report on how you were doing. And, and, uh, and so, again, we, or anybody out there thinking of going at a later stage in, in your age, and you said you were in your 50s and Nettie there when they're 30, did you feel that life experience Helped at all in this situation? Yes, for for sure. Um, as I've said before, you know, some would say, "Well, gee, uh, it seems like you were a little old for that program." And of course, I I was. Um, but when they put together the class, I think what was in the back of their mind, or the forefront of their mind, was um, we have to put together a kind of company. And yeah. whereas Will Cook will never play Romeo for a hundred and one reasons, uh, Romeo has a father. Uh, and, uh, you know, somebody has to play King Duncan, you know, in, in the Scottish play, the, the old guy that gets stabbed <clears throat> to death in the first 20 minutes of the play. Uh, and um, in a way, it was, you know, the, a little gray hair was, was helpful. Uh, I don't know if uh, Kathleen, if you know a professor at Georgetown called John Glavin, uh, but he's sort of a yeah. uh, you know, very well known and much loved English teacher. And he actually wrote one of the recommendations for me to get into this program. And when I came out, he he said, you know, good for you, Will. You'll always when any, if anybody needs a Duke of Verona, you'll have <laughs> you'll have a job. Uh, yeah. So and and. Yeah. And part of that is, yeah, you know, you earn the wrinkles in your face. You earn yeah. the, uh, the gray hair. And, it, and if you can translate it into some sort of uh, communication across stage of, of that character, then it, then it helps, sure. 
So how long did the program last? Uh, many MFA programs are... This was one calendar year. Um, it, uh, okay. We moved to Washington on August, August 27th, and we started the program uh, August 28th. And, oh, my gosh. Uh, it was really? five, or six, five or six days a week, uh, and then, of course, rehearsals at night because you had to have scenes ready, you know, a couple scenes per week ready for uh, critiquing. Uh, and we, we finished up sometime uh, uh, middle of uh, August of the next year. It was quite intense. Uh, and, uh, and, and to tell you the truth, uh, there was, well, two, uh, certainly one, uh, afternoon where I stood up uh, from the class and started making my way to the door. Uh, I mean, for sure, because there had been a very, what I felt was a very intensive exercise yeah. um, and uh, really de- requiring you to dig into the what our teacher called just get in the cellar of your soul and start digging and uh, you know, get rid of the, the cliches, get rid of, you know, what you always do when you're on stage and start start trying to figure out who you are and how you can be a better storyteller. And there were various exercises that you were required to do in front of the class, um, you know, in order to get there. And I felt that it was, I, I, I call it my... Uh, um, you know, straight-laced Irish Catholic upbringing, but I felt that it was it was too invasive, yeah. and I was terribly uncomfortable. And of course, you're meant to be terribly uncomfortable. The the theory being whether or not you buy it, but the theory being that that's that's where progress is is made. Um, and uh, I stood up to leave, and uh, a classmate said, "Well, don't do it." And I said, well, and he said, you know, if you go, I'm going to go, and I don't think either one of us should. And so I sat down, and and 10 minutes later was in the midst of the exercise, which was very uh, stressful. Uh, But I remember everything about it, and I can see the theory behind it, but that doesn't mean uh, that it was pleasant (laughs) for anyone. Have you talking about sort of life experience, you know, again, you were in your 50s and others in their 20s and 30s there. Did you ever feel, and this could be a crazy question, I'm just curious, when you were asked to do something like you said that made you that vulnerable or really asked you to go deep and expose yourself, was it that, I don't even know if this is true, but when you're younger, you come from more of a selfish perspective, just out of, you know, experience. It's just you. You haven't been married, you don't have children. But when you're 50, and those considering going back and exposing, you know, your inner deepest thoughts, you you learn so much, not just about yourself, but about others, having children and your wife and just relationships in general. Do you think, do you see a difference in that when people are presenting? Uh, I don't even know if that's a feasible. I, I, I don't think, I don't think so. Um. It's pretty much all, uh, you know, how the individual was bolted yet together by the good Lord, number one, and then how the individual has been brought up and what kind of uh, culture, uh, what kind of family, what kind of expectations there have been along the way. Um, 
again, I am not at all one of these guys that is saying, you know, because of, of, of what is commonly seen, and I don't necessarily, but sort of repressive uh, Irish Catholic big family and all the rest, of the, that everything mitigates against that kind of thing in, in an upbringing like that. Uh, I don't blame I don't blame that, but I think that it it it, it in my case did get in the way. Uh, I can even go back, you know, a little bit to at age twenty, because I was young for my class, coming out of uh, college and all of a sudden being the boss of a of a business and feeling great responsibility uh, to employees, to my mother and to my brothers and sisters, and that meant uh, a certain uh, decorum, uh, a certain discipline, a certain way of presenting yourself uh, that uh, you both privately and, and publicly that had nothing to do with uh, tearing your soul out of your chest and laying it on the table. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So... Uh, but people are different, um, and I think uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I've gotten better. But it took it took that kind of shock treatment, I think, for me to to uh, uh, well, if you will, loosen up a little bit. It did not come naturally. Um, and and some would say, I don't know if it's true or not, but until you do that, you're you're sort of up there, you know, pantomiming and and more or less phoning it in, uh, as opposed to uh, really trying to present. A multi-layered character that you that one cares about. So, and again, for all of you joining us tonight, this is not the best lesson, but there is a second act out there, and we can do it. You just have to have the courage and the strength to jump in, and that's exactly what Will did. So, after and being accepted into this unbelievable program, only fifteen were accepted, and going through a full year, you graduate. And then what? Like, do you have an agent? Do they help you? What's the next step? Um, they, they, this particular program did not help very much. Um, of the 15 in my uh, program, um, I think uh, 10 of them uh, went back to New York, where they came from. Uh, a couple went out to L.A., uh, and just uh, like three of us stayed in D.C. But the... Uh, Clearly, uh, the advice was go audition, just audition, but audition wherever you just go. Even if you don't want to be in it, go audition, and um, that's what that's what I did, and was hired really very quickly uh, uh, for various things. Uh, probably the, I guess my first real professional role was uh, down here at Studio Theater in an experimental uh, play called. Um, uh, geez, that that face was there, but anyway, a British play of, of the uh, very edgy material, and uh, I guess it helped that uh, we had gone through this exercise because I played a, an English uh, businessman of a certain age uh, confronted with uh, terrible things going on in his home when he's when he's trying to do business in Hong Kong. Anyway. Uh, what you do is you just audition, and um, I did eventually uh, get an agent, but all but really just for um, commercials and, and TV-type things. Uh, it, it wasn't until recently that uh, Washington-born and bred actors had access to um, uh, theatrical agents, and at this moment I, I don't have one, in part because I have not yet joined 
equity, uh, to be an equity actor. Um, and as such, uh, I don't bring a lot of money to the table for a, uh, for an agent. I've avoided, I'm eligible and have been eligible to join equity for four and a half years. Uh, but can, can you explain, for those out there um, trying to learn this world of theater and acting and getting into can you explain what that means? It's essentially the it's essentially the union, um, uh, and you don't, you don't just sort of uh, show up and sign up uh, or or are forced to. You have to earn your way in. You have to be, take part in um, so many weeks and hours and different plays that are uh, sponsored that are so-called equity houses. In other words, where the the bulk, if not all, of the uh, actors on stage are are union, and after you put in your time, then you're you're eligible to join. Uh, the reason I haven't is because um, I I find it would be restrictive. Um, I, the last couple of plays have been in have been in very small theaters and very fine plays, uh, and had I been in the union, they would not have been able to afford me. And because I, oh, I see. that dictates your feet. Your that's feet. right. And and I'm certain that I've been in, like in Shakespeare, for example. I'm I'm certain that I've been in plays, uh, of minor parts, uh, where uh, there's maybe two or three other guys I'm up against. Uh, their union, I'm not. Uh, I'm let's say as good as they are. Uh, they, if they were hired, would have to be paid. Well, I think it's six hundred and twenty-five bucks a week, and they realize they can pay me in Budweiser. <laughs> so I've I've gotten the role um, many times, you know, because I'm you know I'm okay uh, and also cheap. If all of a sudden you're only uh, expensive, then you really restrict the kinds of plays you can be in. And, and for uh, equity, do you have to have an agent? Like, so, so you're not in equity, so you don't have to have an agent? Or? N- no, I'm, it's just that when you, when you are equity, an agent will be more interested in representing you because, oh, I see. as you know, they will get a cut of what you make, and it, it's tough to give them a cut of Budweiser, you know, <laughs> so uh, they... Yeah. Uh, I have to make a decision on that in the next uh, couple, three months because... Um, you, you can only be equity uh, eligible for five years, and you, you come to the end of that, and you've got to you've got to make a decision uh, oh, one way or the other. And I probably will, uh, and it'll be a that'll that'll be a quite a leap because I'll be up against the very best in the area um, and the very best productions and the very best actors. Uh, I have to say you're very humble, and I think and I love humility, but. I bet you are one of the very best out there. Just through your strength and courage alone, I would think that nothing would stop you on the stage. Well, I hope you're right. I hope, <laughs> you're, I hope you're right. Tell, tell that to the casting directors. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So coming out of, coming out of um, we talked about this earlier, about um, you graduate school and sort of the world is your, you know, again, representing and showing everybody out there that, again, in your 50s, you went back to school, one of the most elite programs, and you're starting your second act as an actor now. And the world is your oyster at this point. So you can choose, if you mentioned theater, film, commercials. Uh, what was your, where was your heart leading you, and, and where does it lead you today? Uh, 
I, I really like being on stage. Um, I've been in a handful of commercials that have been fun and have paid much better than most theater productions that I've been in. Uh, I've been in a number of, uh, of like student films, uh, uh, training films for the government, you know, for something to do to get some experience to be on camera. They pay pretty well too, but there's something about that uh, electricity that I talked about originally of being, you know, being on the right hit you and you're on stage and you're communicating with another character, um, that, uh, there's nothing like it. So that's, that's what I, that's what I will continue to, to concentrate on, uh, God willing. Is there a moment, just take off of what you just said about how when you're up there and, and you're connecting and you're in front of people and you're feeling it, is there a specific moment or two when in a show or a specific time on stage when you knew that leap that I took, that scary, courageous leap in the in my 50s when I left upstate New York, I came to D.C. and I went to I dropped everything, did a 180, went to school, was there a minute when you just knew like this was the right decision to make? Uh, yes, uh, and I think that um, other than you know a little unpleasantness in graduate school, uh, which was to be expected, I, I think I, I really I really knew it then that uh, I once again became convinced that I that I was the luckiest guy that I know, and I mean that very very sincerely. Um, and I guess that's one thing that I that I would say uh, out there in Radio Land or Podcast Land. You know, I uh, luck played so much a part uh, of this for me. And the timing of of selling the business, the the ability to move down here, the the indulgence of being able to uh, be very serious about learning. And it sounds you know very very toity toity, but learning the so called craft. Uh, not being a dilettante, but working at it, and going to an audition and giving giving it everything you need, you can. But that if you don't get the part, in my case, the rent still gets paid. And so, while it certainly did take a leap on my part, it wasn't it wasn't uh, as risky as it might originally sound. You know, we. Uh, we had two of our three kids were, were through college, and, and we still had big bills with the third one. But you, you know what I'm saying. I just yeah. was was very lucky, and I and I, I think there's a tendency maybe in, in stories like this where uh, the message certainly is, and I endorse. Yes, you can do it. Yes, you can. You can take a good look in the mirror and say, "Geez, the Lord only gave me so many heartbeats. I I, I really need to spend them in a." In, in a in a way that's more true to myself, but it ain't easy. Uh, right. And, and, and there's certain things. I mean, you really have to. There's some. Um, Hamlet talks about um, the readiness is all. You know, there's certain things you really have to uh, consider. And the first is, as I say, looking in the mirror and consulting with family and doing the research and and talking to friends and professionals and. And um, wrestling with a financial advisor, um, and, and 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 by the way, making sure that even though you're not being locked into something for the rest of your natural life, but it is something that you're really interested in. But uh, you know, the cliche again, the the passion. If if it's not there, um, it may be just sort of spinning your wheels. Um, 
So I, I, I it's it can be done, uh, but. It, it doesn't get done just because you wake up one morning and say, okay, I'm going to do this. It, there's, a, there's a lot that has to go into it, and, and not a little of it is is luck, certainly in my case. <laughs> and are there any steps, so this is incredible advice to people trying to sit down and really think about this. Is, it's a big decision to make. Any steps that you, and maybe there aren't, maybe, but any steps along the way you may have, them differently or, su- or would suggest to someone else to do differently? Well, uh, differently, I, I don't think so because I I think that I really did, um, you know, again, to, to thine own self be true, I think I started there, um, but then went to family uh, and talked about it, did not keep it a secret, uh, went to went to friends, uh, went to professionals, uh, both in the business uh, and, and, again, financial uh, advisors, um, and it took some time with it, um, even though, yes, the, the good Lord did only give you so many heartbeats, but in theory, you've got more than, than take it through next week. In other words, lay, lay some groundwork uh, for this thing. Um, I, what I did may, may look like it was um, impetuous and sort of spur of the moment, but it, but it really wasn't. Um, it, it, it started in that, that classroom at, um, at, at Fulton Hall, Fulton Hall, you know, uh, in ways that I didn't know then. Uh, but um, I, I can't really think of anything that I, I would do differently uh, because it, I guess in part because it's worked out so well and because it is really really cool to, to get yourself cast in something and, and sit down and, and learn lines. And, um, I, I used to be pretty good at crossword puzzles, and now I'm finding that uh, I'm not so good because I don't know much about, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the kids today and the movies and right. the music and all, and all that stuff. Uh, learning, you know, learning uh, 25 pages of dialogue is, is pretty good for the old noggin. Seasons, 
And uh, I, I basically lived down there because it wasn't it wasn't possible to commute. But it's it's big. Uh, it, it's uh, it's one reason why I only could do so much when I was you know uh, helping raise kids and, and do a business because it, it it took a lot of time. But it's what it's you know at this point you've you've risen to a place of professionalism and that's what it takes. And, it, it, and as tired as you were sometimes or with everything else, did you, for the most part, always feel that once the light, you know, the curtain went up, the lights went on, did you feel sort of no longer overwhelmed by all these, you know, the things that were involved but so excited or the, the adrenaline to be on stage? Yes, and I think that happens with with everyone, uh, you know, whether you've been in this business for a year and a half or, or you know, 50. Um, and there, there are also some ups and downs. Um, you know, I'm, it hasn't happened to me, thank God. I'm, I'm knocking madly on wood here. But, you know, uh, Lawrence Olivier, in his 50s, went through a terrible stage of, uh, a terrible patch of stage fright. Really? Here he'd, he'd been in, in place for 35 years. Um, yeah, he just, he couldn't, and he finally slowly worked his way back, but he said to fellow actors, never look me in the eye, because I can't, I can't take it. So, it's a strange business, Um, um, and it does take a lot out of you, and uh, the equivalent of, you know, if you do, if you play King Lear, for example, I think that's the equivalent of pitching nine innings. And yeah. uh, I've seen it. I've seen people come off stage completely soaked through. So I never had a role quite like that. But thank God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I well, I can't believe we only have a minute left. This is I, I could talk to you. First of all, I'm such a theater lover to begin with, but more importantly, I'm just so in awe of your story and inspired by sort of you know the path you took in life had a few turns for you and twists when going to law school and instead you had sort of had to change gears and stay home and work and help raise your siblings and but this acting bug was sort of always there always sort of growing the seed was growing and then finally again as we mentioned later on in life after raising your kids you decided to do it and you jumped in you went to school and you did it and succeeded incredibly and you mentioned a quote to me earlier when we were speaking from Wayne Gretzky actually um <laughs> that you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take, and it's really resonated with me since you said it. It's a hundred percent true. You're going to miss everything if you don't give it a shot. And the thing that's right. Is what you did, and your story is so inspirational, so helpful, and I'm just so grateful for you coming on tonight and sharing it. I feel like a, a big wheel. Um, it, it's a, uh, semi uncomfortable to be giving out these, you know, so quote unquote wisdom, but I'm glad to do it. I think the world of you and in the work you're doing. So if I, in a small way, could be a part of it, I'm, I'm mighty proud to be. And, uh, uh, yeah, to take, take the chance. Uh, don't take the chance on the spur of the moment, but um, you'll make your life um, more interesting, and um, you'll, thank you. you'll thank you. Even if it fails, you'll say, I did that. Yeah. As opposed to, gee, I wish I should have, could have, would have, didn't. Right? <laughs> That's an amazing way to end this. Incredible. So, Will, I hope you come back on the show sometime. We've got lots to talk about. So many fun things down the pike. You're definitely going to hear from Will again. Thank Thank you very much.
I, I can't thank you enough, and I just want to now see you on stage. <laughs> the next step is I got to see you posted. on stage. And when you do, we'll let the audience know. Maybe any you know anyone in the D.C., Virginia, Maryland area, let me know, and I'll spread the word to everyone because clearly we have an inspirational person, an actor that we need to go support. So what thank I'm you. It was an absolute honor to have you on, and thank you to all our listeners tonight, and I'll see you all next week. Good night, everyone.